Please turn to Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah chapter 2. And I'll just give you a heads up as you're turning to that. Nehemiah, originally Ezra and Nehemiah for the Jews was like one book because it's basically telling the same story with two main characters. Ezra and Nehemiah honestly are just amazing books. Nehemiah is, um, the imagery in it is extremely prophetic concerning what's happening now. And you'll understand this as we go through it. We're not going to read the entire book. But to give you a little bit of background, Israel had messed up, had been taken captive into Babylon for 70 years. And there's a whole lot of detail I'm leaving out, but that's okay. They've been taken captive for about 70 years. Now, the captivity wasn't always bad. In other words, it wasn't like when they were living in Egypt and, you know, they had all the taskmasters and so forth. I mean, there were some rough times. Uh, you know, Daniel thrown into the lion's den and the three Hebrew children thrown into the fiery furnace. I mean, there were some challenging times. However, uh, you know, it's interesting. They actually kind of blended into the culture. They built homes. In fact, God told them, look, don't fight this because this is a result of the sin. You know, you make the best of it, but the day's coming. It was even prophesied after 70 years you'll be released. So here they are. They're being released. Now, Nehemiah, he was referred to as a like a cupbearer to King Artaxerxes. And the cupbearer, this was a very high and a very esteemed position. One of the responsibilities you had was, uh, you know, you would <coughs> taste things, and if you didn't drop over dead from poison, then the king knew it was okay. Because back then they would, you know, <laughs> that's the thing to do. You want somebody out of the way? Well, put a little poison in the food, whatever. Well, anyway, um, Nehemiah, he shows up one day and Artaxerxes could tell something's wrong. You know, Nehemiah, what's going on, man? And Nehemiah says, well, you know, I've got a good here, but yet my homeland, in fact, my capital city, Jerusalem, it's a mess, an absolute mess. It's destroyed. The walls were down and blah, blah, blah. And Artaxerxes is listening to this. And it's almost like Artaxerxes didn't realize what had been done to Jerusalem. And so Artaxerxes, um, he said, well, you know what? Tell you, i tell you what I'll do. You go back and you fix your city. Now, that was incredible that he would do that. But we picked this story up near Nehemiah chapter 2 in verse 7. Nehemiah is speaking. He says, Moreover, I said unto the king, If it please the king, let letters be given me to the governors beyond the river, that they may convey me over till I come into Judah. And a letter unto Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, 
that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the palace which appertain to the house, and for the wall of the city, and for the house that I shall enter into. And the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon him. And basically what he's saying is, okay, I really appreciate this, King Artaxerxes, um, but you know, while you're at it, how about letters authorizing the people under you to give me the building supplies? And the king says, okay. That is just amazing to me. Well, anyway, it says here in uh, verse 9, Then I came to the governors beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was a man come that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. Didn't like that at all. And we pick this up in chapter 4. But it came to pass that when Sambalat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth. Now, in chapter 2, verse 7, it says that it grieved him and those with him exceedingly. I mean, that sounds almost too passive. I mean, it, it, they were extremely agitated over this. And now we see chapter 4, verse 1. It came to pass when Sambalat heard that we built the wall, he was wroth. In other words, he was about ready to fly into a rage and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish that are burned? Now, Tobiah, the Ammonite, was by him, and he said, Even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. And so we pick this up, Nehemiah says, Hear, O our God, for we are despised. And turn their reproach upon their own head and give them for a prey in the land of captivity. And cover not their iniquity and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee, for they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. But it came to pass that when Sambalad and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the wall of Jerusalem were made up, and that the breaches began to be stopped, then they were very wroth. You know, they've gone from, you know, <laughs> being grieved and so forth to being wroth. Now they're very wroth. They're, it's, this is getting worse. They were very wroth and conspired, all of them, together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. And Judah said, the strength of the bearers of the burdens is decayed. And there is much rubbish so that we are not able to build a wall. In other words, what had happened, not only had it been torn down, but over 70 years, I mean, it was it had turned into like a junk pile. It was just a mess. And they said, there's so much rubbish, you know, we got to clean the rubbish out before we can really finish this job. Well, verse 11, and our adversary said, they shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst among them and slay them and cause the work to cease. And it came to pass that when the Jews which dealt 
uh, dwelt by them came, they said unto us ten times, From all places whence ye shall return unto us, they will be upon you. Therefore set I in the lower places behind the wall, and on the higher places I even set the people after their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and unto the rulers and and to the rest of the people, Be ye not afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your houses. And it came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us, and God had brought their counsel to naught, that we returned all of us to the wall, every one unto his work. And it came to pass from that time forth that the half of my servants wrought in the work, and the other half of them held both the spears and the shields and the bows, and the habergeons, and the rulers were behind all the house of Judah. They which build it on the wall, and they that bear burdens with those that laid it, every one with every one with one of his hands wrought in the work, and with the other hand held a weapon. For the builders, every one had his sword girded by his side, and so builded. And he that sounded the trumpet was by me. And I said unto the nobles, and to the rulers, and to the rest of the people, The work is great and large, and we are separated upon the wall, one far from another. In what place, therefore, ye hear the sound of the trumpet, resort ye thither unto us. Our God shall fight for us. So we labored in the work, and half of them held the spears from the rising of the morning till the stars appeared. Likewise, at the same time, I said I unto the people, let every one with his servant lodge within Jerusalem, that in the night they may be a guard to us and labor on the day. So neither I nor my brethren nor my servants nor the men of the guard which followed me, none of us put off our clothes, saving that everyone put them off for washing. Now, let's back up. There is so much in this book relative to what we're going to be covering tonight. Um, it, it, I'll say it like this. Once this message tonight is finished, and you go back and read the rest of this book, I think you're going to begin to see the prophetic image that is presented throughout the entire book of Nehemiah. Now go back to chapter 2. It says, When Sambalat the Horonite, chapter 2, verse 10, Sambalat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. Now here's what's happened. For 70 years, the Jews were in captivity. And the whole thing of Jerusalem, I mean, it wasn't even an afterthought. After 70 years, these the Sambalats, if you will, they were accustomed to having their way. They were accustomed to just, well, we can do whatever we want. And these Jews, I mean, you know, they can't do anything about it. There's, there's nothing they can do to keep us from doing what we want to do. Then all of a sudden, this guy and those with him, they hear something's happening. And apparently, the Jews are doing something to put an end to all the stuff you've been doing to them. To put an end to this captivity. Now, I want you to think of, of how, what this represents. And I'm just sharing with you what the Lord pointed out to me and how he used this. Think about what's been going on over the past 60 years. 
On June 25, 1962, it was made unconstitutional to have children pray in school, along with reading the Bible. Unconstitutional. In spite of the fact that the Constitution makes specific references to God. But yet it's unconstitutional. And then in 1973, January of 73, abortion was made legal. And then in June of 2015, same-sex marriage was made legal. Look what's happened during this, this season, if you will. And the liberals have come to the place of just ex- expecting they can do whatever they want. They've come to the place... They have become so content in their position of authority that they don't think there's anything Christians can do. They don't think there's anything that we can do to stop what they are doing. And, I mean, watch the news here in the days to come. I don't know if you're aware of it, but this week, the governor of Oklahoma signed a bill that made abortions illegal, except for in the case of saving the mother's life. And if someone performs an abortion, they face up to 10 years in prison. Glory to God. Now, you and I both know that Sanballat is going to rise up against that. You know. I don't have to. I mean, this is not guesswork. Because in chapter 4, verse 1, it says that when Sambalat heard that the governor had outlawed abortion, he was wroth. You see what I'm getting at? And so over these years, these past, you know, 60 plus years, all this stuff that has happened, the body of Christ has been in a type of captivity. Because Ten Commandments taken down out of the schools, Ten Commandments taken down out of the courtroom. All of the, you know, you, you can't have a nativity anymore. You can't put up a cross anymore. You can't do this. You, workplaces telling Christians they cannot wear a cross on the job. This goes on and on and on. And so now for all these years, this has been happening, and Sanballat has become comfortable. But guess what? Nehemiah has risen up. And he's begun building the wall. And Sambalat is wroth. And notice what happens here in chapter 4. It says, And it came to pass when Sambalat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth. Now, this whole concept of building the, raw, building the wall, symbolically that represents believers pressing into God for an outpouring, returning to a lifestyle of holiness, a lifestyle of being fully obedient to the word of God, Pressing in for an outpouring. Pressing in for revival. And he says here, when he heard, when Sambalat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. Is that not what we see happening in the body of Christ right now? Absolutely it is. And now look at this, verse 2. And he spake before his brethren, the army of Samaria, and said, what do these feeble Jews, do they fortify themselves? And, you know, blah, blah, blah. And same thing, Tobiah the Ammonite, he says, yeah, you know, they'll never accomplish anything, it will collapse. In other words, that is the, um, the, I don't know, the back then version of using social media to destroy what Christians are trying to do. To make fun of the Christians. 
to say that they're haters, to say that, that everything they do is opposed to what, what we really want. They're trying to take away our freedoms. They're trying to tell us that things are sin. That's hate speech. And we won't put up with it. That is exactly what we're seeing in this. It's that, it's the version, the Nehemiah, book of Nehemiah version, you know, of them using social media to totally discredit the, uh, the Jews. The same thing that Sambalat is doing today using the media to totally discredit believers, to make fun of us, to mock us, to criticize us. And for what reason? To try and, you, you see, if, if you, if somebody tells you, tells you that you're stupid, and, and you hear that enough day in and day out, a lot of people are going to start thinking, well, maybe I am stupid. They want us to think we can't do anything. They want us to think that they're greater than our God. They want us to think they know more than our God. They want us to think their rules are better than our God. I've got news for you. And whoever hears this, the Word of God and His laws and His commandments supersede every law of every nation on this planet. Now, somebody would say, well, you're talking anarchy. No, what I'm saying is this. If God says killing the innocent is wrong, then it's wrong. And even though the law of man may say, well, you can, you can kill those unborn babies, that doesn't make it right before God. The law of God supersedes it. He said, well, I don't believe that. Judgment day is coming. And you better be ready for it. Well, look in verse 4. So Nehemiah, he says, Here, O our God, we're despised. And turn their reproach upon their own head and give them for a prey in the land of captivity. Cover not their iniquity and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee, for they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. Now, this is a type and shadow of how we are supposed to pray. We are supposed to pray that the foolishness of the liberals be exposed to the point that even the liberal media begins turning against them. We have started to see this. That's part of what, one of the things I pray and one of the things I confess. If you're not doing that, you need to begin doing this. You need to begin declaring, like he says right here. He says, God, let their iniquity be, be made known. Let it, let their foolishness be exposed. You know, look what they've done. Before. They're mocking you, oh God. See, this should be a part of our confession and a part of our prayer. If we want to see the outpouring, if we want to see the revival, if we want to see these standards raised up again, we have to come against what what Sanballat is saying and declaring and doing. Because right now, guys, Sanballat thinks he can do anything he wants in this nation and get away with it. And we have to stand up and say, God, no. Expose it for what it is. May there be division in the camp of the enemy. May there be division in the minds of the liberals. May they turn on each other. Now, we're not talking violence. You need to understand that. But see, we can just stand back and watch as they turn on each other politically. They turn on each other uh, in the media, whatever it would be. And they deserve it. Because they are going against the very standards upon which this nation was established. And they'll even tell you that's not true. Well, you pick this up. In verse 6, and he says, in essence, he says here, in spite of what they were saying, we, we continued working, building the wall, and the wall was joined together into the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. That's the thing right there, guys. The people had a mind to work. 
if we as the body of Christ do not have a mind to work, meaning press into God, it's not going to happen. The outpouring is not going to happen. The revival is not going to happen. We have to have a mind to work. Those people had to come to the place of saying, you know what, in spite of what Sam Blatt is saying and doing, in spite of what is happening out there, I'm going to do my part. I'm going to lay a brick. I'm going to spread some mortar. I'm going to cut down a tree. I'm going to do what I have. I have a mind to work to build what the enemy tore down. I'm going to do that. Every single one of us, if we want to see this outpouring, if we want to see this revival, we have to have a mind to work. And in verse 7 it says, But it came to pass that when Sambalat and Tobiah, the Arabians, the Ammonites, the Ashdodites, heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that, they, and that the, the breaches began to be stopped, they were very wroth and conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. You better be ready. You better be ready. Because the more we keep pressing in, Sanballat is going to push back. Sanballat is going to say no. I mean, you've got situations here now in this country where preachers have been arrested. Not because they were doing something illegal, but because what they did in the name of Jesus, I mean, it was a a true, genuine work of God. They were arrested because it offended Sanballat. And Sanballat didn't like it. We have to keep pressing in. And we have to understand that even though the enemy is going to conspire, when I say the enemy, I'm not simply talking about the devil. I'm talking about those inspired by the, the liberal mindset, inspired by Satan, inspired by the sin nature. They're going to conspire to come against us to stop us. I could stand here and talk to you about various laws that, uh, that were discussed behind closed doors that would make it illegal for certain Christian things to take place. I mean, guys, think about it. They're already saying, do you realize, do you realize that in some cities, if you put up a nativity in your front yard, you could have a complaint filed against you, the authorities could show up and tell you to take it down. I'm not making this up. So yeah, Sam Balat is going to conspire against us to try to keep us, but... Our God is greater. Our God is God, not theirs. They don't even know what they have as a God other than themselves. Well, you pick this up and look here in verse 9. Nevertheless, now look at this. We made our prayer unto God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. Prayer is how we set the watch. This is why there's been so much of an emphasis on prayer. Prayer in the, in the, uh, with the understanding, praying in the Spirit. This is why this is so critical. See, you can get really bored in prayer. We've all been there. It's like, when is this going to end? You know, I, I'm supposed to be praying for half an hour, and it's got to be 45 minutes. Oops, nope, three minutes. We've all been there. But if we're going to set a watch, what does that mean, set a watch? What it means, think of it like this. Raise up a standard of spiritual sensitivity to be aware of what the enemy is going to do before the enemy does it. Do you understand what I mean by that? Well, we continue. Look here in verse 10. And Judah said the strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed. In other words, it it is too hard for these guys to work because there's so much rubbish. And we're not able to continue the building. And I'm looking at this. And the Lord was ministering to me and he says, the rubbish 
is all of the doctrinal error which contradicts truth. You, if you're going to have an outpouring, and if you're going to have revival, if you're going to build this wall, then every single one of us, we have to submit ourselves to God, to the ministry of the Word, to the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and get the rubbish out. Get all the, now listen, is it possible that some of the people in this room tonight have some doctrinal rubbish on the inside? Yeah, it's very possible. I'm not even going to get into that, but if you're not sensitive enough or willing enough to let God work with you to get that rubbish out, if you're not, if you're not like a Berean to study the scriptures to see if these things be so, guys, there's not much that, that anybody can do for you. I'm not saying you're going to hell, but what I'm saying is, if we want to see this outpouring, if we want to see this revival, we've got to deal with the rubbish. Well, verse 11, and our adversaries said, they will not know, neither see, till we come in the midst among them and slay them and cause the work to cease. Okay, you know, what in the world does this mean? Here's what this represents for us. When you hear the liberals start talking like us, what they're trying to do is mingle in the midst of us to try to get us distracted from what we're doing. And you need to know right now, it's a setup. It's, it's like something out of a mafia movie. They're gonna, they're setting you out, setting you up to take you out. I don't mean like physically kill you. See, this is why, this is why we are where we are in this country right now. We have allowed the enemy, the liberals, the Sambalats to come into our midst and literally infect our belief system. This is why you have churches. Where they'll preach Jesus, they'll preach the Holy Ghost, and then turn right around and tell you to vote for a candidate who's pro-abortion, pro-rights for everybody who wants to do whatever. And actually stand on a platform with them to give the endorsement. (laughs) That's Sambalat moving in. And that's exactly what this verse 11 is talking about. Here's what we will do. We'll, We'll get in there in the midst of them, and they'll have no clue what we're up to until it's too late. That's why we have to pray and set the watch so that we are aware. Look, don't take this for granted, guys. One of the things that every single one of us needs to do here, watching, whatever, we need to ask God, how much of my secular life needs to be shut down? And what I mean by that, how much of my TV needs to be shut down? How much of non Christian radio, do I need to shut down? How much of the social media stuff do I need to shut down? I'm not just saying that because I'm on some kind of a soapbox. I'm saying that because if we want this outpouring, if we want this revival, this is what we're seeing here, and it's going to become more clear to you as we continue in this passage. And in verse 11, or um, verse 12, And it came to pass that when the Jews which dwelt by them came and Uh, They said unto us ten times, from all places wherein you shall return unto us, they will be upon you. In other words, there's a warning that's being given. Now, guys, I don't know how many times preachers here over the last, like, five, ten years have stood up and given warnings, and they said, "If you better watch out, because if you don't, Sambalat will be upon you. Well, look what's happening. (laughs) If you don't think Sambalat is in a position of a government of governmental authority in his country, man, you're blind. 
You are absolutely blind. And he says, um, verse 13, Therefore said I in the lower places behind the wall, <coughs> and on the higher places I even set the people after their families with their swords, with their spears, and with their, uh, with their bows. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and unto the rulers, to the rest of the people, Be not afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Now, what's this talking about? Well, in verse 13, he talks about, I set people after their families with swords, spears, and their bows. We already read how everybody was praying. Now we see the introduction of the weapons. Now, here's what God showed me with this. He said, you cannot just sit around and pray and confess for outpouring and revival. You have to do warfare in the spirit against what is happening out there. You have to tear down, you know, the principalities, the powers. How do we do that? By addressing them. By declaring their defeat. By declaring that they're shut down. One of the things, when I'm, when I'm praying almost every single day, I pray over, uh, there are certain people, I call them out by name because I know they need to get their lives right. The, and, and I pray over this ministry and, and so if, Anyway, one of the things that I do pray is, Father, I declare that no demon and no plan of any demon can interfere with or stop these things from happening. I say that in every camp of the enemy, there is blindness, there is deafness, there is confusion, there is division, there is infighting, there is bickering. And there is constant confession of absolute defeat in all of these areas. I, I, I continue on like that, making that declaration against them. I'm doing warfare against them. And I'm actually, there have been times when with all these prayers and the thought crosses my mind, it's like, man, is anything really happening? And almost instantly, the Lord, you know, the Holy Spirit responds back and says, don't be weary in well-doing. And every now and then I've seen a little glimmer of, of God working in somebody's life. You don't need the details. But I've seen it. It's like, okay, okay, something's happening. Glory to God. It's working. It's a working. We have to do, it's not just a matter of sitting around with God. We say that uh, our church is in revival. We say that our city is in revival. We say that there is an, no, we also have to do, we have to pick up the sword, pick up the bow, pick up the spear. <clears throat> do that the spiritual warfare against Sambalat and what's motivating him. Not just the sin nature, but also the demonic powers. Now continue on with this. Uh, verse 14. And he says, Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your houses. Do not forget that God has given us the victory. Do not get so caught up. This is, it really, I fight frustration and anger when I'm around Christians. It's like they just want to keep talking about, did you see what, you know, so and so government person did? Did you see what? Did you hear what? Did you what? Did you what? You know what? You, you act like I'm going to be shocked by this? Come on. No, I'm not. I don't want to hear this. I don't want to hear it. I know what's happening. I'm aware of it. What I want to hear, if you're going to talk, talk Jesus. 
Talk victory. Talk the word. Declare what God has said. Well, I know that, you know, you know, so and so senator such and such, he got such and such law passed, but I say, I say, and too many Christians are totally clueless concerning what I'm talking about right now. They actually exalt the evil they don't like. How in the world are you accomplishing anything to build the wall? Now, if we continue here, he says, And it came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us, and God had uh, brought their counsel to naught, that we returned all of us to the wall, everyone unto his work. This Man, this is encouraging. Because what that means is this. In the camp of the enemy, they heard everything that these folks had been doing. Guys, we have to make a noise in the realm of the Spirit so that the enemy hears we know what the enemy is doing and that we're taking a stand and we're going to pray. We're going to confess the revival. We're going to confess the outpouring. But we are also going to use the the, the fruit of our lips and and attack the enemy and let Sanballat know you're not going to win. You're not going to win. We're the ones. We're going to build this wall and we're going to see this thing happen. And we're not going to give up. We, If you don't do it, the camp of the enemy is going to be encouraged. We're winning. Now, we continue here. In verse 16, it came to pass from that time forth that half the servants wrought the work and the other half of them held both the spears, the shields, the bows, and I don't know what this thing is, and the habergeons, and you know the rulers, uh, and so forth, and it says they built the wall. And he goes on and he talks about how that some of the people, you know, they had the, uh, well, they built it, verse 17, and they that bear the burdens with those that laid it, every one with one of his hands wrought the work, and the other hand uh, a weapon. I mean, you know, we're praying, and we got the word of God, the sword of the spirit. You know, I mean, we're ready. We're, we're on both sides of this. We're doing our part. And he says, the builders, uh, verse 18, for the builders, everyone had his sword girded by his side. You know, it's really interesting how that so many people, they walk into church, and I don't know where their sword is. Well, it's on my electronic device. Yeah, I get that. It can be. However, don't think that I'm, I'm totally ignorant that there are some of you in this church, you're on your phone texting and Facebooking and all this other garbage. How disrespectful. I mean, seriously, if that's all you think about this ministry and what God is doing, please leave and go to a church that doesn't give a rip. I'm serious. Go. Because you're not helping one bit. And you're not receiving from God when you sit there playing with your phone, watching your movies, texting, so on and so forth. Well, pastor, he's he's got it going tonight. You know, wish I was somewhere else. Be glad when this is over. Or whatever you do. I mean, seriously, why are you even here if you don't? Well, because I feel guilty if I don't show up. Ah, then why don't you submit to that conviction and get it right with God? Well, you're right, Brother Martin, them kids. Oh, wait a minute, it's not just the kids. I know for a fact adults have been doing it too. I'm not trying to send you home with a bellyache. What I'm saying is, if we want this wall built, we can't keep doing that kind of stuff. Now, he says here, 
In verse 18, the builders had a sword girded by his side, so build it. And he that sounded the trumpet was by me. And in verse 19, he says, I said unto the nobles and to the rulers, to the rest of the people, the work is great and large, and we are separated upon the wall, one far from another. In what place, therefore, ye hear the sound of the trumpet, resort ye thither to us, our God shall fight for us. And as I'm reading this and thinking about it, the Lord began to minister to me and, and he began sharing uh, with me what this represents. The Holy Spirit is sounding the trumpet. The Holy Spirit is sounding the, the alarm and calling us into this place of pressing into him in a unified fashion for him to move through us as a people and accomplish the outpouring and the revival and what he wants to do here in not just this community, but guys, we, we can have an impact literally throughout the world in this. And he says, the Holy Spirit is sounding the alarm. And in verse 21, he says, so we labored in the work and half of them held the spears from the rising of the morning till the stars appeared. In other words, from the time they got up till the time they went to bed, their focus was on the building of the wall. Now, don't anybody leave here and say, well, pastor said we're not allowed to watch TV anymore. No, pastor didn't say that. But what's the priority? And is it possible that God doesn't want you watching TV anymore, at least for a period of time? See, I don't know. This is something between you and God. But here we see these people, you don't think there were other things they could have done back then? Granted, I know they didn't have all the stuff that we have today, but yeah, they could have done other things, but they were focused. They were, they were unified in this focus. We're going to get this wall built. We are going to, we are going to finish this task at hand. And he says, verse 22, likewise at the same time said I unto the people, let everyone with his servant lodge within Jerusalem that in the night they may be a guard to us and labor on the day. So neither I nor my brethren nor my servants nor the men of the guard which followed me, none of us put off our clothes, saving that every one put them off for washing. In other words, 24-7, they're ready to go. 24-7, what does that mean to us? Well, what it means to us is this. If God says, okay, I want you to have this next particular week, you know, whatever, you know, just, I'm giving an example here. You know, in three weeks, I want you to set aside an entire week, and I want everybody in this church, in this place, for prayer. Two hours of praying in the Spirit. Well, some people would say, well, I'm No, it, look, we have an example here of what it takes to build a wall. And if God says, well, this is what I want, then, then that's what we should do. Yeah, but I've got, I know, these people totally disrupted their lives in order to do this. They changed everything they were doing in order to build this wall. But I have a job. I know that. Seriously, I understand. <coughs> and maybe <coughs> your job is such to where you could only be here for one hour of that time. See, I don't know. I'm not, this is not legalism. But if we want to see this wall built, then we have to be willing, like these guys, 24-7. You know, we didn't take our clothes off except for time to wash. You know, take our baths and wash our clothes. And we put them, we were ready, ready to go. 
24-7. And that's the place where we have to come. And I know it's not easy. You know why? It's because our own personal Sambalat, known as the flesh, has kept us in captivity for so long. We see it difficult to break out of that grip to do what God wants. Hey, I'm right there with you. It's a battle at times, a real battle. But if we want to see this wall built, this outpouring, this revival, it's what we have to do. This is something that, it's like it's not an option. God is saying, if you want to have this, this revival, this outpouring, you can. But you have to do your part. God's always ready for this. It's like he's on his throne saying, okay, I've got outpouring in this hand, revival in the other hand. When you're ready, I will usher it into your presence. He's waiting on us. So this is something that, you know, we need to really think long and hard about. It, it Go beyond just the lip service. And God knows that there are areas of our flesh that are going to put up a big time fight. <laughs> he knows that. But we can do all things through Christ, which strengthens us. And if you continue reading through the book of Nehemiah, you're going to find there, was, there were other challenges that came up. However, at the end of the book, the wall was built. And they had, I mean, he, boy, there's just so much to share out of this. They had a, they, they separated some people specifically for the purpose of worship. And they had this unbelievable, incredible worship going on. And they had the word being declared. And they had, in other words, yeah, very symbolic of an outpouring. Because they were diligent to do this in spite of what Sambalat. Oh, and if you keep reading, you're going to see how some of these guys that were, you know, the enemies, if you will, were, were shut down. It's really an amazing story. And God wants us to know, look, Sambalat, the imagery of Sambalat, is going to exist until Jesus comes back. However, in spite of that, you know, Babylon continued to exist. All the while this was this was happening. But in spite of that, guys, we can see the outpouring. And we can see the revival. We can see the wall built. And glory to God, it can happen. Right here. Right here. It can happen. For such a time as this. Praise the Lord. So guys, listen. Know ahead of time, Sanballat is really mad. But greater is he that is in us than Sanballat that is in the world. Praise the Lord. Please stand. Father, I want to thank you for this word. I am accountable. All of us are accountable now for this. God, I pray that we will be so sensitive to the trumpet sound of the Holy Spirit that when you're calling us to prayer, we do it. When you, Whether it's here or at home or whatever the case would be. That, Father, we would conquer the Sambalat of the flesh. And then, Father, we would, we're going to see the victory. We're not going to be intimidated. We're not going to be shut down. We are aware that Sambalat is angry and does not want us to do what we're going to do. 
But Father, Satan was defeated 2,000 years ago, and we are going to live in that victory today. So I thank you for this. Jesus, all the glory goes to you. In your precious name, O Lord, amen.